0: I wanted a way to share my heart at a pace that felt okay to me. I wanted to be able to connect with people in a way that was deeper and more personal and tangible and sing the song that life needs softness and beauty and simplicity.
1: You are listening to The Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi.
2: What is up, everybody? This is Chase. So long story short, We were childhood sweethearts turned husband and wife in our early 20s. Despite following the mainstream script for happiness, we actually divorced for three years.
1: Only to later reunite as soulmates with a brand new outlook on love, God, health, and the real medicines of the universe. If you find yourself wondering, is there more to this life, to health, to God, to love?
2: Then you are in the exact right place. Consider this your bridge to expansion for body, mind, and relationships. We are uncovering and discovering with you.
1: Let's go take the medicine. Hello beautiful people, welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. This is episode number 102, and this is a first time bonus episode for us. Usually we drop one episode per week, but we're going to be dabbling in two episodes a week occasionally, so we're just, we're trying it out. This is also a special episode because it's the first time we've had one of our family members on with us. Chase's beautiful and oh-so-talented sister, Callie, is with us today. So you'll hear it's kind of a cross between Under the Red Hat with Chase and I and also an interview. It's it's very conversational. So Callie Ramey Martin is a farmer's wife, mom of two sweet boys, and proud amateur artist. She is the author of Potage, From the Garden to the Kitchen cookbook, and publishes a magazine called Notebook Quarterly. She happily dabbles in gardening, floristry, photography, interior design, and cookery, and is passionate about making the world a softer, simpler, more beautiful place. Like so many of us, Callie is very multi-passionate, which is great, but if you're following the mainstream script of life that says we should go to college, get a degree, settle in, and be consistent with something, then this can cause us multi-passionate wanderers to feel like we're doing something wrong simply by following our creative dreams and our intuition. Callie's personal and professional story will encourage you, the listener, to stay open, listen to your intuitive nudges, and trust that you really can proactively create a life that you love. You'll hear about Callie's book, Potage, and her most recent creative project, Notebook Quarterly, which is a seasonal magazine. Her winter issue just dropped last week. It's absolutely stunning and would be a wonderful gift or stocking stuffer for anyone who enjoys delicious recipes, beautiful photography, and year-round gardening tips. Order soon if you want it by Christmas, my loves. All the links can be found in the show notes below. Okay, enjoy this bonus episode with my sister-in-love, Callie. Welcome back to the medicine podcast. My name is Mimi and I have my love Chase here with me.
2: What is going on? Everybody super fired up today. Have a very special guest and the curator of some of the most beautiful images I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life that include myself and you. And And
1: yes, if you have seen well, you would have seen it, if you are listening to this, this podcast, the cover art. Of our podcast. It's a very steamy, glowy, warm photo that was taken by none other than Callie Ramey Martin, who we have on today. We're super excited to invite her into our Under the Red Hat space and um, talk to you today. And I think it's going to be really awesome. Welcome to the medicine.
0: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, they're going to be awesome. So we always start off, you know, this, you've listened, we always start off talking about what is in your cup. You want to go first?
2: Yeah, I'll jump in with what is in my cup today. And it's not really in my cup. It bypassed the cup and went directly into my mouth. (laughs) Um, It's a essential oil wizardry from our homie, Dr. Nick. Uh, It's an essential oil um, tincture and it is a kava tincture, specifically kava euphoria. Mm -hmm. So we've been taking a little bit of kava every now and then when we want to get in kind of a creative flowy space, Uh, Kava is just an incredible root out of like the Pacific uh, regions of the world where uh, I think like South Pacific, it's from like a root, uh, has some really awesome, like euphoric, uh, effects post supplementation. So you can take it through, uh, types of teas. In this case, I got a tincture for it and it's really great. It's not like super, um, heady. It doesn't give you this high or anything, but it's quite relaxing and euphoric if you will, Mm -hmm. and I'm really enjoying it we have this on our medicine cabinet. If anybody's interested, uh, along with links to a ton of different essential oils from the wizard himself. So if you're interested, yeah. check it out on the medicine cabinet.
1: Yeah. And we have Dr. Nick, we interviewed him not too long ago on episode, I want to say 92 or 93 in the nineties somewhere. And if you think, you know, something about essential oils, listen to that episode, you will learn something. Um, I thought I knew about them and I was, we're, we're both still just blown away. So definitely recommend essential oil wizardry. And, um, I think our discount code is medicine for that. If you want to check it out.
2: Yeah. Sounds right. Passing to my lovely sister, Callie, what is in your cup today? What are you drinking?
0: My family brought me a organic decaf caramel latte. Nice. Um, I, don't, I don't drink a lot of coffee because I'm naturally euphoric and uh, <laughs> and the caffeine hits real hard. So it was kind of an exciting treat to have on this morning.
1: Nice, yeah, love that. I don't think we actually said that Callie is your sister, did we?
2: <laughs> did we not say <laughs> that? Yeah, I don't
1: think so. I think well, maybe people if they know your last name, yeah. I said Callie Ramey Martin, but well, there you go. She, she's my sister-in-law, sister-in-love, we like to say, um, oh. and Chase's blood sister. <laughs> it's, real. it's real. And uh, yeah, so now you all know. um,
2: What about you, my love? What What do you got going on uh, in your cup today?
1: In my cup, I have some raspberry leaf tea as I'm on. This is not TMI, I hope, but day two of my cycle. Raspberry leaf tea is awesome for strengthening the uterine wall and helping minimize um, cramping. And I can tell such a huge difference when I'm drinking it versus when I'm not. When I'm drinking it, my cramps are like 70 percent softer or lighter, like non-existent. And a lot of times I'll actually start my cycle and not even like have any uh, heads up because sometimes people get crampy and like they start feeling gross like a day before their period. And then they know like, Oh, I'm going to start my period. I know I am. And for me when i'm drinking this i have really no idea when i'm going to start other than my app because it helps reduce cramping so much. so what i do is i don't always like to drink it hot. like if it's an 80 degree day in san diego hot tea doesn't sound great. so i make a batch of uh sun tea where i put like four bags of this um traditional medicinals organic raspberry leaf tea in a big jar of water, put it out in the sun for like 3 or 4 hours and then i sip off of that the the for a week or two and drinking it every day, really, really helps. So if cramps is something that you struggle with, um, definitely check out raspberry leaf tea. I got that tip from Barry on who is our menstrual health go-to expert. And she was actually on episode 99. If you want to check that out. So that's what I got in my cup and in my body.
2: Love it. Keep up the great work raspberry tea. <laughs> um,
1: yes. I would appreciate that.
2: Really excited to uh, chat with you today, Callie. We um, have been talking about getting you on for a while because uh, you have such a cool journey, and it's been so inspiring to me just to obviously see you and my family, and and be the the firstborn child in this family of of uh, really fantastic people. But kind of paving the way in a, in a lot of ways for for all of us, for Cole, my brother, and I, and, and even our parents in a lot of ways, as far as like you know, like figuring out who you are outside of all of these conditions and programs. And, and so really, uh, really excited to jump into it with you ask you a couple of questions, but first we like to ask every guest a question and we're going to do the same with you. That is what do you love in your life so much that you wish you could gift it to every human?
0: Um, I loved this question because I mean, there's a million things that I could think of like. My favorite this, my favorite that. But what I ended up coming up with was I wish I could gift everyone flowers. Mm. And that sounds silly. Like i am we're not talking like grocery store flowers. I mean like, like flowers that you've grown gardening in general. I think, you know, there's a reason that so much of the world has become obsessed with gardening over the last 18 months, because there's something about it. So many things about it that speak to your soul and, and, and they feed your soul. I think, um, you know, there's so many cliches and like sayings that come out of gardening because there's just something there. There's something really connecting, really meaningful, really stretching as a person. Like gardening is full of failures too. I think that is something that, um, like we have to, We have to have those as humans to continue to grow. Um, I think for me personally, realizing that I loved flowers, like loved flowers, was like, it like unlocked this this part of me that I didn't know needed to be unlocked.
2: Mm -hmm. And it
0: was like, I almost had to give myself permission to admit that I loved all of this. And doing that set me off like on the path I was supposed to be on. Mm. And so even though that's assigning a lot of meaning to flowers, it really, I think it just does amazing things for people. It just brings things out of you that are supposed to come out.
2: It is, is that is resonating really deeply uh, for me. There's something so therapeutic about nature and uh, it's so much more deep and wise than we could ever be articulated in like a therapy chair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this noetic sense that when you really kind of jump into the deep end of, of something natural that you don't have to articulate it or rationalize it. You just know, and you just experience and you just feel. And uh, even in my, when, when we were divorced and I was trying to figure myself out and and, and I knew I was making progress when I would find myself lost on a walk in Coronado and two inches away from a succulent staring at it and counting the the sequence <laughs> of uh, patterns that are in the succulent and being like holy shit I just got lost for like 12 minutes in the beauty of nature I knew I knew at that moment I was getting closer to yeah. love Therapy never worked for me but staring at a succulent did
1: yeah. And I think too, I mean, I'm not any sort of like professional gardener or whatever, but I have, we have a few plants here and there and I, it does like, it kills me when I see them like not doing well or their little leaves shriveling. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I need to figure this out. But when when you do see them thriving, whether that's plants or flowers or whatever, it's so wonderful to be like, oh my gosh, my work, you know, the soil and working in and, and giving it a home and everything and giving it the right environment. Like you see the, the benefits to your work that is giving this plant a home, um, right away. And well, you know, over the course of maybe a few weeks or so. And it's, it's, it it's very, um, rewarding to see that and to like help perpetuate the cycle of life. And, uh, it's, it's hard to like pin down, but I think probably everyone listening, if they've done any sort of gardening or growing knows what that feels like for sure.
0: I think we've talked about it before too. And you guys talk about it a lot with like masculine and feminine roles. I think, um, it was realizing and admitting that I love flowers was like this catalyst for me accepting that feminine side of myself that Mm. I haven't. Yeah. Live very much and felt Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, it, it was a hard thing to, it was a hard place for me to get to, to accept that. And Mm -hmm. then kind of using flowers as, as that, as the representative of that side of me. Um, it was like a tangible thing that I could say like, oh, I like this, but it just opened the door for me to feel comfortable
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I definitely want to jump into like uh, the next question in my mind is like well why do you think it was hard to l- let yourself feel feminine right but i i'm sort of jumping ahead because I, I want people to know like what you do and who you are in the world and and um some of your your passions right now um you know what are you doing in the world today and and if you can take us through a little bit of your journey from maybe, you know, a few years back to where you are today, discovering that, wow, flowers are this almost like yeah. representation of my feminine flower or
0: whatever. Um, I think, I think growing up, I was under the impression, I mean, I have red hair, right? I'm supposed to be feisty. I'm supposed to be Sassy. I'm supposed to be tough and strong and a badass. That was what I heard from culture because it was girl power time and Mm. girls were supposed to be strong. We were supposed to get out there in the workforce and, and bust some ass. Like that's what we were supposed to do in that era from culture. That's what I was hearing. And then in our family, we have some strong women. We have just not just strong women, but, but men who have, been in make or break it situations and have had to build things from the ground up Have had to work their way out of life situations that were intense. And so there was just this expectation. I felt that I'd be tough, strong, and, and really hardworking and, and just, yeah, a, a badass. That's what I thought I needed to be. Um, and so that's, that's the pace that I went at for a long time. Uh, and I literally ran myself into the ground <laughs> over and over again. Um, and not only that, but I ended up in situations over and over again where I put myself into, I put myself in a place to be abused <laughs> and not like in a, not a, you know, physical or any of that sort of abuse, but like I'm presenting myself as I'm tough. Give Mm -hmm. me your best shot. People did. Mm -hmm. They said, great, you're tough. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to see how much you can take. Mm. And, um, at times I could take it at the cost of other things. And at times I could not take it. And it, and it was really difficult. And, um, so that pattern is what kind of moved me through life for a while. I played college basketball, and I was tough, and I could take it, and it was really difficult experience. A really amazing experience in a lot of ways, too, but difficult. And then I moved out into the workforce, and I got this job at a labor union that was the same way. Give me your best shot. I can take it and they gave it to me. And while I was still doing the creative side of things, I was doing graphic design, I was doing marketing, all of that. There was just this, like, I have to push, I have to be, I have to,
1: you know. Grind.
0: Grind. Yeah, because um, if it doesn't hurt,
2: it's not it doesn't hurt, working, it's, not, it's not, working. not progressive, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: If I'm not exhausted and stressed I'm, and busy all the time, I'm not doing it right if I'm not climbing, if I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm not achieving and, and, and I burn myself out over and over again. And so I moved around a lot. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, there's always been this part of me that's, that's creative. And that I couldn't quiet even in the, even in the grind, I could never quiet it. So I moved from marketing. And then I went to culinary school, which was like the most amazing, Hermione experience all the time. <laughs> I sat in the front row. I did, I read every word in the book. I answered every question. I'm sure everyone in the class hated me, but I was like, I am 100% in this experience. And so I did that. And then very quickly after that, I ended up in this badass restaurant in Portland, which was, again, such an amazing experience in so many ways. But I also put myself in a situation where again, I was getting, I was saying, give me your best shot. And I was getting that and, and, and I burned out. Worked in restaurants for a while, ended up starting a catering business. Um, that was really amazing and really stressful. And so when we decided to have kids, I decided to jump into that full full steam and take a break from uh other stuff i had felt a lot of shame about jumping around so much uh, and trying so many different things it was really like i got a lot of comments about like you try so much stuff and yeah <laughs> and you change your mind a lot and just this insinuation that i didn't have staying power and i didn't have consistency and i didn't have um I wasn't reliable and stuff like that, which isn't at all true. But, and so then um, that was five years ago and I've been going hard at being a mom and staying, staying home with my kids, being a mom and loving it. And then two years ago, um, our mom was approaching her 60th birthday and she had a great deal of anxiety about that. <laughs> and I wanted to find a way to make that easier. Um, and I wanted to do something for her that I knew she could never do for herself. Um, and so I started writing a, a book. I started working on a book. It was something it's something I've always wanted to do, but thought I never could. And so like, doing it for her, I didn't listen to all those voices because it wasn't about me. I just Mm -hmm. did it. And then I spent about a year and a half working on it. And when I got done, I almost hadn't even put thought into like what was going to happen with it afterwards. I was just going to give to her for birthday. I was kind of just seeing if I could do it. Mm And all of a sudden it was done. And it was good. And I was like,
1: (laughs) And you told no one in your family, right?
0: Other than your husband, right? And he didn't even see it until it was done. And like even his response, because I was like, "Oh, I finished it. What do you think?" And he was like, "Like this is, this is real. This is like, like a real book." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa. And he's not easily. I mean, you gotta check him for a pulse. Sometimes he's not easily impressed. And so I was like, impressed he was impressed. Yeah. So then I, I was like, well, dang, maybe I should do something with this. I had had a blog, and I'd been on the internet and all of that, and. And tried tried my best at those things, but never found them fulfilling completely. Um, being an introvert and then having to put yourself up, out there all the time, it just wasn't a cycle that like totally worked for me. And I just loved being able to like withdraw and bury myself in this project, in this book, and then and then I had something that I was ready to share um, that felt more complete, that felt like a whole story. So gave it to my mom and then ended up calling a friend who's in publishing and saying, can I send you something? What do you think? And I sent it to you guys too.
2: Mm -hmm, Can
0: I send you something? What do you think? And having her respond, like, where do you want to go with this? And I hadn't even asked myself that question because in my mind it was just about doing it. And so when she asked me, I was just like, well, I'm just really happy with it. And I would love to share it. And she was like, okay, well, if you're not worried about going through this intense process to try and get it published by a publisher who basically is just a credit card, Mm -hmm. they're going to front you the money to buy your books, but you have to sell it. You have to get that, get out there. You have to do it yourself. So like, there's nothing glamorous about being published. I'll just tell you that right now. If you just want to share it, just do it. Just print it and sell it. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> I'll do that. And in my mind, if I, if I sold a hundred copies, it would have been a raging success. And so I just did it. I just announced it on my Instagram, printed up the books, getting the, getting those books in the mail the first time was just like, I mean, it's like holding a dream you, in your hands that you've had since you were a little kid.
1: Yeah. A little paper baby.
0: Oh my gosh. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. I'm, I'm, and and I'm,
2: this book is, is incredible. She's yeah, completely underselling herself uh, oh. <laughs> in, in many, in many ways. Like um, what's so incredible about your story is that every path and um, direction and choice that you took to pursue something, it turned out by world terms, wildly successful, um, all the way from collegiate athlete into like a career marketing woman into a a pivot from that into fashion, like featured on MTV's fashion blog, like that, that level of success pivoting into, um, finest dining in Portland, Oregon, a food city, um, and, 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 basically crushing the scene uh, from, the, from the culinary space into entrepreneurship as a, like all of these lanes that, that seemed like, wow, Callie is jumping around. And, and I, I said it too our, our entire family said like, damn, she's crushing it in these different lanes. Why does she keep hopping around? What's wild is like by worldly terms, it was just mind-blowingly successful in each space. And um, what I'm, what I'm so fascinated by is like, the ability for you and, and, and specifically drilling into like what came up for you in each one of those lanes, despite the feedback from the world that you were successful, what was coming up for you that triggered the ultimate decision to pivot and to change?
0: Um, I think, I mean, kind of what I was talking about earlier was that I, I wasn't being I wasn't putting myself in situations, honestly, I wasn't being honest about who I was. And so then I ended up in these roles where I was being treated in a way that was not helpful for me at all. And it it really wasn't those people's fault because they were just basing their responses off of what I was presenting. Sure. And so in every one of those situations, even if I liked the work, which I didn't always, but especially like the restaurants, I loved the work. I loved it. There is nothing, there is nothing besides sports where you get into that flow state, like you always say, and you're working with other people and you're reading each other's minds and you're so busy. You got 35 tickets up on your thing. You're so busy. You're just moving instinctually and you're like in the moment completely there's nothing better than that yeah but but the relationships in all of those situations became really difficult for me because of me not being honest with who i was yeah and so i think it really took and no and none of them ended on negative terms i didn't burn any bridges anywhere i just had to keep saying like this doesn't this doesn't fit
1: Mm -hmm. and it was hard again I
0: had a lot of shame about that this doesn't fit for me and having people be like again
2: (laughs) yeah and it gets so hard to silence the uh those voices even if you decide to you know choose against it It, you know it's like you're continuing to try things on especially if you've if you've been programmed in a in a world and uh in a culture and then our family it's it's not that it was a bad thing it was just that there was there was a huge emphasis to be successful And, and and this this indoctrination of it has to be hard for it to eventually pay off and so even when the pain was the feedback that that you or i or you know megan is similar that when the when there's pain as the feedback it's almost like well i must be doing something right Right. it's it's gotta hurt
1: yeah the grind
2: that's the athlete mentality it's gotta hurt to pay off so you even when you're you know metaphorically stepping your foot into another stream a brand new stream and it feels as if it's up against a current you stay there for a minute because you're like, this is supposed to hurt, right? Yeah. Um, and and so after kind of like bouncing through a few different lanes, despite the worldly success, but maybe that feeling of like, I still feel, you know, like I'm going against the current here. Yeah. What is it about writing, creating, um, what you've been able to do, kind of like marry this uh creative artistic piece that you have with the really intimate hands-on gardening cooking element to your life that feels like bliss like it's your lane like it like it is flow state without some of these other negative byproducts
0: it's been a couple of years since I've kind of unlocked the vault uh, you know I' was saying that flowers kind of helped me to to unlock this part that I didn't know needed to be unlocked and at the same time let go of this expectation to be tough Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i am strong but i don't have to be tough i don't have to be nasty i don't have to be out there like yeah like claws out like don't mess with me me. just because i have red hair and i'm a leo doesn't mean i need to
1: (laughs) shout out out to the leos everybody's
0: balls like yeah yeah Maybe that's not my way, like my strength, um, my strength as I've learned over the last couple of years is actually in vulnerability. And that sounds, I mean, that sounds like some little affirmation on a bracelet, but like it actually, I am at my best when I am vulnerable and it takes strength to be that way. Um, Sometimes more strength than it does to be out there
1: Well, I think people sometimes, uh, confuse weakness and vulnerability, like they're interchangeable, but being voluntarily vulnerable is completely different than being happenstance weak. Like just not, you know, stepping into yourself or whatever, but being like in relationship, being choosing to be voluntarily vulnerable is one of the most powerful things you can do, especially as a feminine, like allowing yourself to be vulnerable is it's scary because people can take advantage or if it's not the right person, you know, they can sort of like use that against you. So there is something in us, which I think is healthy sometimes to have a little bit of resistance so that you're not just all the time vulnerable 24 seven. So I think a little bit of resistance on that is good, but I think developing this intuition for us as women and feminine and even feminine parts of of men, yes. you know, of the masculine, um, really having that balance is is great because then you can kind of recognize does this situation call for me to be voluntarily vulnerable? Yeah. Which I think you're you're understanding more and feeling into more, which is is so yeah. beautiful to witness. Well
2: well, what's so tough in the culture and the world that we live in is Vulnerability is allowing yourself to be seen in, in complete 100% visibility. What is frightening about that is the fear or the story that if the real me is shown and it's rejected, oh shit. Yeah. Like
1: who will love me? Who
2: could oh. love because because that's the real me. I better I better protect the real me mm-hmm. so that I don't have to deal with the potential rejection from that exposure. Right.
1: Because if they reject me and I'm not showing them the real me, well, that's fine because it wasn't the real me anyways. What's
2: a real yeah. mind f for people who are achievers? Um, for for those who grew up in in, in environments where um, you sort of achieve your attention and validation through accomplishment is that when you've done those things in going back to kind of the stream analogy in a stream, that is kind of the current is against your innate being. And then you get the feedback that you did a good job. It's a mind screw because you're like, damn it. I wasn't me. And I was loved for it. Mm -hmm. What happens when I show me? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And a lot of it is not even conscious. Like most people are probably not even going through that process of, you know, it's, it's sort of unconscious, but I think once you start to be conscious to that, then it's when it's like a, holy crap, ugh, I can't do this forever.
2: Yeah.
0: That's one of the things about being creative has always been the way that I let that stuff out. Let who I actually am out safely. Yeah. Um, and cause I've never been able to not, do that. I've never been able, you know, even as a kid, I've drawn everything and arrange things all the time. And like, I just have always been that way. And then it was like, I let it out in little, little, little ways. And so then now I feel like all that jumping around and all of that, trying all the different things has almost been redeemed in the fact that what I'm doing now takes a piece from all those experiences that I've had and and it's fallen into place into, into something that I'm really enjoying and just, and it feels 100% like my real self. That's and, awesome. and that has been really scary. <laughs> the first, um, I think people, I think people watch you do something and they go like, oh, must be nice. Like you're so this. So that, and you're like, okay, let's talk about, yeah. Oh yeah. I just published my own magazine, but I spent two weeks crying that it wasn't going to sell. And then when it exploded and did sell, I spent two weeks panicking about that.
2: (laughs) Feast of famine.
0: Yeah. So while you're thinking that this is cool, I'm over here in the fetal position, freaking out about both the not success and the success of it. (laughs)
1: What are you, I'm curious what, um, in those moments, you know, uh, clearly you're on this path of self-development and evolution. It sounds like whether you want to be or not, you're, you're on it and you're going through it for sure. And you're, you're embracing it beautifully. But, um, in those moments where you feel like, Oh, panic or anxiety or whatever, what are you telling yourself to get to the other side of that? What are you telling yourself? What limiting thoughts do you have to like release or let go of to get on the other side of that anxiety?
0: That's a really good question. Um, I've been doing a lot of counseling over the last year. I I really struggle with anxiety. Um, I have forever. Um, And it's been really bad over the last year or so. And so I've been doing some intensive counseling work to work on it. And it's actually been the first time that I've broken through a lot of that, Chase calls it programming, a lot of that, that stuff. I, it was the first time that I realized that my own inner voice was really unkind <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice that. I never would have said I was a person who was negative or, or like put myself down, but it wasn't bad. It, wasn't it was the level of expectation that I had for myself was completely unrealistic and off the charts. And so a lot of my anxiety comes from not being enough to fill that that voice, that expectation. Um, and so I've, I've had to learn over the last year to literally talk it through when I'm feeling that way. And that's hard for me because I'm an introvert. I'm an internal processor I don't want the words to come out until they're like right and edited that's why I like writing <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to it's really hard for me to verbally process but I find that when I start to say those things out loud I'm like I can hear that you know they come out of me and then they go back in my ears and I'm like well that's not true yeah that's not that's not right and that's a ridiculous fear. But you you almost have to like get it out of you. Yeah. Yeah. And then go like, no. Okay, I'm gonna keep this. This is true. And I'm gonna let the rest of that stuff float down the river because I don't need to I don't need to hold on to that. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm old enough now that it's like I'm I'm not interested in wasting time being in angst or pain or anxiety like i was for my 20s yeah <laughs> i'm done with that i i want my energy to go into the people i love and the things i love
2: yeah yeah uh, absolutely what i and one of the reasons i you know wanted to have this conversation with you and record it is it's so refreshing and raw and real and that's the actual dialogue that's going on we are bathed in a world of self-development where there's five steps to get out of anxiety and there's (laughs) there's seven ways that you can you know decrease your negative self-talk and like all of these things that are they're really valuable I'm not trying to cast too much shade on them but they're they're spun in a way to be sold and it it almost like it almost like doubles down on the the self-love lack that we have when we see somebody who seems like they've figured it out and put it in a book or put it in a course. And so I, I just so appreciate your authenticity and, and your, your realness in this, in the, in the sense that it's like, it's an ongoing relationship with that version of myself that continues to want to, you know, show me the way that this might not work. Yeah. Uh, and and then there's a way to push through it. How has that self-development, that path of self-discovery how has that trickled into um, other roles and responsibilities that you have in your life, like a, like a partner uh, and like a, like a mother?
1: Hello, my loves. I am bursting at the seams to tell you about this brand that I have fallen in love with called Toto. It's healthy, functional, no guilt cookie dough. Yes, freaking delicious cookie dough made from eight superfoods that can be eaten raw with a spoon or baked into actual cookies. The founder, Sydney Webb, was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 21. After being introduced to adaptogens and superfoods and incorporating them into her life, three months later, she was cancer free, y'all. Wild, huh? Now, Sydney is sharing this superfood cookie dough with the world to prove that medicine can be delicious. Toto is powered by nature and innovated by food science. It is non GMO, vegan, gluten free, and refined sugar free. They use balancing adaptogens, brain boosting nootropics, and immunity loving herbs to give your body what it needs to thrive while feeling like you are also indulging in dessert. My favorite flavor is the sea salt chocolate chip, and they also have peanut butter chocolate chip. I have a spoonful after dinner, and it's the perfect little healthy indulgence that I never feel bad about. To try for yourself or your family, head to totofoods.co, that's T-O-T-O foods dot C-O, and use the code MIMI20 M-I-M-I-2-0 for 20% off your order. Then try to resist the urge to track me down and hug me because I think you're going to be obsessed just like me. Enjoy, boo.
0: Um, One of the biggest things that I've realized in discovering my inner voice um, is that not only did I hold myself to these unrealistic expectations, but I held my kids to that especially my oldest, Um, and in in changing that voice for myself, and also for him, seeing the ways that he has benefited from that has been uh, humbling. (laughs) He, when his brother was born, it felt like we, our connection got broken. Um, we had had this incredible connection. I had, I had felt like I didn't even know if I wanted to have another kid because what we had was so special. And when, when Bo came along, it felt like that got broken and I didn't know how to get it back. I didn't know what to do. I felt like I just, like it was gone forever. And when I realized, um, that the way I treated him was the same way I treated myself and, ch- and changed that. changed our connection was reborn. Um, And now, like, he just, he's affectionate, he's loving, and he's not a natural, he's a very black and white kind of kid. He's, he's not a naturally, especially physically affectionate person. And, and that has changed now. He's gone back to wanting to snuggle with me, wanting to tell me his secrets, um, checking in with me, like, how are you doing mom? And <laughs> i okay, what are we doing today? Like he just, it was amazing to see it play out so tangibly, I guess. Something that was like, oh, you're working on in counseling. I'm being nicer to myself. Yeah, la-di-da. But no, it really, really had an impact in my life in, in a very tangible way. And, and then watching him benefit from me treating him like that is like, how much am I going to benefit from me treating me like that?
1: Something I thought of as you're speaking about this, you know, connection and you know, your relationship with Emmett. Um, one of the, the quotes that has stuck with me, I don't even remember where I heard it from, but I I want to take it into being a parent if that's what we choose to do. But it is that one of the best gifts that you can give to your child is your own happiness. And not frivolous, like, oh, I'm happy today. I'm, you know, like that kind of thing, but like deep joy because kids are sponges and they're going to pick up on that energy. Like you being in your bliss in your lane, and it creates so much natural joy um, just from what you're doing on the the day-to-day things that guaranteed your kids are going to feel that too, because they see you mom, joyful, happy, all of that. Not like we have to be walking around joyful and happy all the time, but I think it certainly is like an energy to your life that then your kids feel and, and have this beautiful example for, for their own lives.
2: That is feminine. That is dynamic. It's in your feelings. It's holistic. We live in a masculine patriarchal dominant compartmentalized world where we put everything in a silo. We compartmentalized everything and expect that it's going to be contained. So if you if you spot treat one thing, it's just the spot and it's not going to have any other impact or effect on other places. That's not real. Everything is connected. There's a correlation with with literally everything. And that's the feminine. That's the thing that we're missing everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so working on yourself, of course, is going to trickle into your family dynamics. It's, it's going to trickle into your livelihood, your own physical well-being, your spiritual well-being. I think that. Oftentimes the, the focus on yourself and working on yourself can be labeled as selfish or narcissistic, but the funny thing is it's maybe the most unselfish thing that you can possibly do (laughs) because you're going to create enough capacity and enough space for you to take on where you need to be in other lanes of your life. It's just a complete miss by, by, by these like terms of selfishness and narcissism, um, Self-love is such an unselfish choice.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, as our good friend Mark from after school would say, if everyone did that, the world would change overnight, literally. (laughs) If everyone just got this right and didn't try to fix anyone else in the world, don't worry about anyone else, just yourself. The world would change overnight. And so I think it's just speaking to echoing to what you're saying. It's like, it really does. And, and also, you know, to your point, like trickles does trickle into your relationships and everything like that. Um, I'm curious, uh, you, you, you know, have spoken a little bit about your boys, Emma and Bo, who are just wonderful little children that we love so much. Um, Is there anything in particular right now that you are focusing on in your life as a, as a mom and as their educator? Like, is there anything in particular that you're focusing on being an example of that is important to you now, now that you've gone through this like window of development in your own life?
0: Um, I think for a long time, I thought I had to have it all together for them, and when I was gonna have my bad moments, I had to keep it separate. Um, and now I've realized that. And so, and so, when I did have hard times, I would kind of push them away, I guess, um, because I didn't, I couldn't be joyful, or I couldn't be happy, or I couldn't, I couldn't be patient, or I couldn't be kind sometimes. And I think now I've really shifted that to I want them to understand that it's okay to be figuring it out and it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And when you're not okay, you still have to be kind, be loving, take care of yourself. Um, I kind of had to, when I started doing all this self work, I had a lot of appointments and I had to start changing my diet significantly. And I had to start working out and not had to, but I started working out and like having to make time for that after five years of sacrificing everything for my kids was a bit of an adjustment, but now they're used to it. And because it's such a gift to myself, it then enables me to give them more and, and they can see that. I mean, they're not like, "Mm, mom, this is a gift to us, but, but they are like, Oh, mom, why don't you go do your workout and we're going to build trains. And then when we're done, we can do this. And like, they're used to it now and they understand, I think on some level that it makes me better for them. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's wonderful that they're, that they're picking up on that, 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 Oh, I love what you said that it's, you're being an example and showing them that it's not, it's okay to not have your shit together. (laughs) Maybe that's not the words that you're using with them. It's okay to like, there's going to be hardship. There's going to be catalysts in your life. And there's going to be times when you feel frustrated and it's okay to feel frustrated. And, you know, like you said, I, I think it's great that you said, you know, still striving to be kind to others and kind to yourself through that process. But sometimes it is important to remove yourself from a situation where there's other people around and just like get centered and get still. And I'll never forget um, this summer, it was really cute. Um, We were up at the lake uh, with you and your boys and, I think Emmett was having it was a lot of stimulation for him. You know, grandma and grandpa are there and we're there and you know, there's tons of toys everywhere and the lake and everything. It's just like a lot of stimulation that his little four-year-old brain is not used to. And so I I think it was it was really cute, but it was in the afternoon and and he was kind of acting out a little bit and you just like really sweetly were like tell me what you need. What do you need? And he was like, I think I just need some alone time. <laughs> and, like, and it was so it was so real because he was that that process is already happening in his mind where it's like, let me assess what do I need here? Okay yes I, I'm feeling like I need some stillness some time alone away from everybody to just be with me and I can guarantee obviously he's got that from you as an example and the importance of being able to be by yourself and, and work through what's going on in, in your in your body and these little like emotions that you're having it was so freaking cute I will never forget that
0: I think it kind of just ties back into something like I've had to learn that being vulnerable is actually when I'm at my best. And that includes with your kids. I think people have this thing about parenting where it's like, I'm the parent and they're the child. Like they're just another human soul. They're just in a little body. that, That soul can handle the same amount of connection as an adult person. And when I'm upset, when I'm sad or anxious or whatever, you know, we've got some, some illness and some elderly stuff happening in our family. And sometimes it really, I feel really sad about it. And instead yeah. of being like, "What do cry in the bathroom. It's like, I want to tell you that I'm feeling sad and I'm going to cry. And this is what I'm feeling sad about. And when you, when you grow up or even now, you're going to feel sad too. Let's just feel it. Yeah. Because when you do that, you then feel better,
2: <laughs> right? And, and, if, and
0: if you it down.
2: if you bury that little thing, that little emotion, if you compartmentalize it, it festers in mm-hmm. it, and it, and
0: then you you're nasty.
2: Yes.
1: I think especially for little boys, it's important uh, to know that it's like, it's okay to cry. Like if you fall down and scrape mm-hmm. your knee, it's like, you know, and, and I think it, it's sort of benign. And, um, you know, I certainly was told this as a k- little kid I was like, Nope, you're okay. You're okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. You're fine. You're fine. And I, I don't think that there's any, you know, pe- people, and parents are not trying to be malicious. They're trying to teach them to be, you know, be resilient, be tough. Yeah. But sometimes it's like you need to cry. And I think especially for little boys, um, they get told like, no, big boys don't cry or something like that. And and I think that it can um, it can certainly if they continue that pattern of stuffing down emotions and not dealing with them, I think it can turn into something quite toxic as a 20 something, you know, male in the world uh, who's not doesn't like to feel his feelings. Those
2: moments of tears, uh, even gentleness as a, as a male, um, you know, even having that, that more gentle feeling feminine, um, attribute to bury that will turn into hostility. It'll, it'll manipulate and yeah. turn into an, an expression of anger speaking firsthand from, from how that eventually services. Cause it does it, it's, it's buried as, um, inappropriate emotions or gentleness or tenderness and it, it is manipulated. And when it surfaces, it's hostility. It's yeah. um, it definitely festers. And I think, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a good transition really into, into what I want to talk about next, which is your example of leaning into what is your, what is your bliss and what lights you up and, and uh, you know, showing that and making that a priority in your life as, as evidenced by the cookbook and, and, and by this quarterly notebook. So I, I'd love to get into uh, a little bit of, the, of what those are and, and give us a little bit of a summary. Um, I know everybody listening is dying to know. Yeah, we've kind of had a yeah. teaser
1: like this book, this
2: book. Um, so take us through the, the cookbook a little bit because this thing is, is beautiful in every way, shape and form and truly um, unique in the sense that it's it's kind of capturing a few different things. And then a little bit what to, what led to uh, kind of the current projects ongoing uh, with the notebook.
0: So um, my book, Protege from the from the garden to the kitchen, it came out last fall, uh, November 2020, which feels it feels like a lot longer than that. But um, it is it is a journey through the seasons, starting in the garden, moving into the kitchen. Um, which that's just like that's that's my heart is cooking and gardening. That's that's what I want to be doing at all times, <laughs> pretty much. Um, And then taking photos of it and then writing about it. But it, it was really not to assign too much analysis to it, but it was like breaking free for me Mm. to write that. And to have gone into it with the motivation of doing it for my mom, it like made me braver, I think. Uh, And then, handing that thing to her on her birthday last year it was just it was something I'll never forget and just her response to of like I mean obviously she was emotional she's a crier when she gets excited about things but and then just for her to be so intensely like what are we doing with this like <laughs> this this is this is happening what are we gonna do who's who's publishing it? How are we getting it out? Like, are you going to mail it? What are you? And it just was like, I don't know. It, I just feel warm and glowy talking about it. It was like, I finally broke out and, and, and I had done something that I always wanted to do. Um, it, it goes through the four seasons. There's 40 recipes. Um, they're all whole food based. Um, desserts, breakfast, treats, um, some family recipes. And that part's really fun. I got to share, you know, our classic flank steak that we always eat at the lake and a muffin recipe that my mother-in-law shared with me early on. And some of the recipes have stories. And then there's a lot of stories from my own life, um, lots of photos. And then I also got to include a bunch of the things that I've learned about gardening over the years. Um, and I think it's nice because not a lot of like, sometimes gardening stuff can be really intimidating. Like you're yeah. like, where oh, do I even start with this? Or like
2: I I had to have been raised with uh, yeah. uh, knowing, knowing how to do this. And so there's no way the rest of my life I'm going to be able to do this. Cause I, you know, I didn't grow up with this.
0: Right. It's almost like a language that you have to learn before you can even, you know, I mean, all the plant names are in Latin and stuff like that. And so, I wanted it to be something where it's like some random person, young, old, anywhere in between could pick it up and be like, Oh my gosh, this is approachable. Like I could actually, I could actually do this. And I didn't want to have this air of like, I know everything about gardening. Right. I wanted it to be like, I'm just learning. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> so uh, I think, I think that, I think that that part of it worked out. I think it, think it does feel both on the recipes and the gardening, not like an expert, just like an experience.
2: Uh, I think you, I think you tapped in on kind of the collective interest and need in this, uh, in this 2020, 2021 world where we're forced to really take a look at, you know, how food gets on our table and how things are actually grown because there was this kind of like fear and scarcity. Yeah. And so a lot of people for the first time ever were like, Oh damn, like I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what I would do if uh, grocery stores and supply chains weren't stacked. So there's this real interest, and what I love uh, that you're doing is you're making it accessible, you're making it bite-sized, you're making it tangible without fear and intimidation, also bringing this deeper meaning to the food experience, which is is so lost in, in our modern urban world, especially. There is a beautiful cycle of life that is behind these things that we're consuming on a daily basis, especially if you're eating whole foods, you can, you can almost taste the, the depth with which these things came to being edible. And so what I love that you're doing is you're articulating um, not only how this could be done, but but the real seasonality and the real, the real length with which um, these types of things go from their seed into literally the plate and into the body.
0: I think one of the things too, is that I'm trying to say, like, you can get into gardening. It's easy to get into gardening. Like what you get from gardening is infinitely mm. more impacting and it will change you as a person. And I think that's what I'm always trying to say when I'm writing about it both cooking and gardening is like, this will change you. This will, this will make you who you're supposed to be in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and it probably just, feels,
1: uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just thinking it, it feel, it probably feels like gentle, you know, like there's a lot of self-development. There's a lot of self-evolution out there that doesn't feel so gentle, but gardening and how you approach it, and, and looking at the food aspect and the gardening and the cooking and everything, is a very gentle approach to that change that you're speaking to.
0: Yep, for sure. Nova Quarterly is my latest child, and it just came out this fall. And uh, the winter issue comes out on December first. It'll go out for pre-sale November fifteenth. And the idea was. Well, first of all, when I published the book, I got done. It was an amazing accomplishment. And I went back to Instagram and my blog and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I didn't have it. I didn't want to make snippets anymore of content. I didn't want to write blog posts that nobody read. I didn't want to take beautiful photos and put them on the internet for people to look at one time and then be gone. It just, I just, I almost got angry at the unrelenting appetite of the internet. And I was mm. like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't have just made something tangible that took a year and a half worth of work. And it's so beautiful to hold on your hands and the paper. And it's just an experience. And then go back to hearts and likes and three word comments. Like I can't do it.
1: Yeah. It feels very and fleeting. So,
0: yeah. I was like, what, what the heck? do I do now I just achieved something that I want to do my whole life what's next like this, was this it for me is this all I had and in the work of counseling she asked I was expressing some of my creative frustration like I just I feel unmotivated I'm at a loss I don't know what to do and she was like again completely obvious I feel like 99% of counseling is people asking you completely obvious questions <laughs> and it's blowing your mind because you're like why didn't I think of that? Yeah she's like, what would you do if you could do anything? And I instantly responded without even thinking about it: make my own magazine. And mm. I'm like,
1: <laughs> so you had never thought that before Who she asked that. <laughs> so you had never thought that before she asked that question.
0: No. Wow. wow. She's like, so can you do that? And I'm like, no, yes, I don't, maybe. <laughs> and so I. I the dream was born in that moment i got off i got it was a zoom call i got off the call and i sat at my computer for a few minutes i was like i can't make my own magazine like <laughs> i brushed my t- teeth got into bed picked up my journal and in five minutes i had the entire first issue written out like wow outlined I wow was
2: like, that's feed that's 100 feedback that- yeah yeah <laughs>
1: How, how, I guess after writing a book and having that be successful, um, what part of it did you, was it that was like, oh no, I couldn't do a magazine.
0: I don't know. I think just that, I mean, I still struggle with the, uh, the imposter syndrome of like, who the heck do I think I am? Like oh, yeah. sometimes when I still say like, oh, I published a quarterly magazine. I'm like, <laughs> <sighs> what, <laughs> but I also have just gotten to the point where I'm like, who friggin' cares? Like, who cares?
1: That's if a question cares, that we ask all the time. Who, who, cares? Who, yeah. who cares?
0: Who cares? So I put this whole thing together. I started, this started in April. I worked on it all summer. It was kind of like the book. I got to the point where I'm like, oh, it's done. I had no idea if I was gonna even do anything with it. No idea. I had all the pictures, it all came together. I got to kind of go back to like my early working days of graphic design and pull out some of those skills that I haven't used in 10 years. And that was really fun and satisfying. And I got to incorporate photos and I got to incorporate recipes and a book club. And it was just like, it just flowed. It just felt like everything that was in my heart that I love came out at one time in, into this thing. And it just sort of evolved on its own. And so then I'm like trying to figure out what the heck do I call this thing? I'm terrible at naming things. And I have my notebook sitting next to my desk and it's stuffed full of things I've ripped out from magazines or printed off the internet, quotes that I've written down, ideas that I've jotted, jotted down and things that I've sketched. And on the front, it just says notebook, like on the front and I'm like, notebook, <laughs> <That's it. laughs> notebook. I'm like notebook quarterly doesn't have to be a fancy name let's do that
1: yeah, yeah it's great uh,
0: and then a couple of weeks later I announced it on Instagram and started selling it just put it up on the website I had worked I worked with the same printer that I worked with to print my book um again one of those surreal moments when you get the box of those things in the mail and you're like I always feel like Tom Hanks from Castoray when he's
1: like, look what I have
0: created.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, Fire. Ah, totally.
1: Yeah. But, yeah.
2: It, it's uh, it's having, you know, had the, the magazine itself and, and been able to hand it out to our friends here in, in California. Um, and, and the feedback is is a resounding just relief because we've all been in this digital age for about a decade where we're not really touching and having this, uh, you know, real intimate connection with the things that we're consuming in quite some time. And I'm not saying we need to go back to all books and all magazines. And, you know, that was definitely exhausted to a certain degree, but there is something really sacred about being able to hold the thing that you're consuming. I mean, even just the the health benefits of not staring at blue light or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, e-readers and things of that nature and to have things and to hold them and to mark them. And, Um, there is something really, really intimate about that, that, that I think is so refreshing and the authenticity that's coming through your magazine specifically, um, just, just only adds fuel to that, to that fire.
0: Yep. I wanted a way to share my heart in, at a pace that felt okay to me. I wanted to be able to connect with people in a way that was deeper and more personal and tangible. Um, I want things that I love to, to come out together and, and, and sing the song that life needs softness and beauty and simplicity. And like, I kind of came up with a little tagline that's on my shirt, like for those who want to make the world a softer, simpler, more mm. beautiful place. And that's something that I've really learned you know, that I need personally, and I think there's definitely a need in the world. And so I just want to set, I want to create this place where it's, it's free from ads and it's free from sponsored content and it's free from critical thinking in a way. And it's, it's just celebrating something as simple as a stove or vintage dishes that you've hunted for, or a really amazing book or flowers, gardening, just these simple things about life that I think really, really ground us and bring us to who we are supposed to be in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I love that you've leaned into seasonality, which we're a culture and a, and a world of, of compulsion and routine and ritual. And I'm one of them. I'm an OCD mother effer. And uh, <laughs> I, I do things on repeat, but the universe has given us seasons because it knows that novelty is nectar and yeah. it is refreshing. And I love that you're leaning into that just innate stream of diversity where, where there are things that are mentally, physically craved and desired and needed seasonally. Yes. And let's appreciate those. Let's look forward to them. Yeah. Let's sit in the presence of where we're at currently, but also know that it's, that it's enjoyable now because it will eventually cycle out for something new and novel and fresh again Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
2: where uh so so winter episode drops when and where can people get that as well as your book because your book is still um still hot still for sale
0: out there yep um the winter issue will drop for pre-sale on november 15th so nine days from now
2: this, yeah, this episode should drop, um, and be, and it'll be available by the time this drops. So listeners yes. should yeah. uh, be ready yeah. to go.
1: And we'll have all your, your links and everything in the, the show notes. People will be able to find you easily. Um, Instagram's probably the best place, right? Or
0: Instagram, uh, cr- creamy Martin. And then my website's just calorie um right, yeah. so yeah, it'll drop for pre sale November fifteenth and then they'll all sh- everything that's ordered before December first will ship December first. Um if people want them by Christmas, they mm. should
1: it's such a beautiful gift. We've gotten like four copies of everything you've ever done and we gift them to people, like Chase said. And um, I gave one of your I gave your first issue of the notebook to my mom, who is also a gardening and she loves cooking and everything. And she's she's number one fan. Seriously. <laughs> she um she She and her neighbor, best friend just drool over your flowers and they have their own like spread in their backyard and, and they're learning from you. They've been gardening for years and years and years and years, and they're learning from you and just, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful gift. And if anyone's out there for yourself or maybe your sister or your neighbor or your mom, like these make such beautiful gifts. Um, and I, I'll probably be gifting it to my mom just on repeat, just when it comes out, like there's going to be a holiday where I'm like, no, this is just, this is what you get. And she, she absolutely loves it. So definitely check it out. It's a, it makes a really wonderful gift.
2: Oh, so good. Thanks for, thanks for sharing your passion with us. It, It completely lights me up and inspires me before we wrap this thing up. Uh, we have a few rapid fire questions we ask every guest. So we will ask you as well.
1: Yes. So as you know, Kali, the medicine is all about expansion and um, expansive relationships and finding the medicines that really light us up in these ways of body, mind, and relationship. And we would love to know from you currently, what feels like medicine for your body first?
0: My body. I'm completely obsessed with Fit 52, which is a map. Carrie Underwood's app. And, uh, I've been doing it for 18 weeks in a row, which is the most I've worked out since college. Um, I look forward to it every day. It's 45 minutes of just being in my body. It's simple. It's quiet. It's magical. I love it. Mm.
2: Love Mm, it. Awesome. I love that you have that um, loving relationship with exercise and with your body. That, that is uh, a breakthrough that, that (laughs) is, it really, it really is beautiful and and profound. What, what currently feels like medicine for your mind? Um,
0: I think that it sounds really simple, but I call it the pause and just both with my marriage and my kids and friends and family, taking a literal breath and pausing and gathering myself before responding to things before having a reaction. And I think it just, it, give, it gives me the opportunity to be the person I want to be
2: mm-hmm.
0: and to be gentle and to let things flow out of intention and instead of reactionary um, Cause I get tired and I get frustrated and I get anxious and people trigger me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just, I want to be able to be myself despite those factors. And so that's just something I've been thinking about and working on lately before, you know, before my husband comes home from work, taking a deep breath and going, how am I feeling when he walks in the door? How am I going to greet him? What's my response going to be? Mm. Is it going to be like that time you showed up or is it going to be like, Hi, welcome home.
1: How was your
2: day? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's
1: so huge. Those are the little things. They seem little, but like we always say all the time, like, do the little things like they're big things like just greeting your partner it seems like a little thing but it's actually a big thing because of the frequency right and um, no I think that that's so wonderful and it's it's a it's a ninja life skill these days to be able to take that pause and examine your own triggers and then respond from kindness and love and who you actually want to be that is an absolute life skill for sure so that could definitely you know bleed into the art uh, the next question which is you know what feels like medicine for your relationships.
0: Yeah. I think that for sure. Just intentionality. I think this, this time of the year too, um, for our family, since we're a farming family, fall is like heaven. We're together. We have weekends together. We have time together. And I'm trying to, I'm not a naturally like spontaneous or fun person. I like to plan things. And so I'm really, really trying hard to play mm. and rest and have fun. And it sounds funny that I'm having to try really hard to do that. But like, if you don't set aside t- unstructured time, you just don't do those things. Yep. So like Sundays, we are resting, we are eating food, and we are playing with our kids. And that takes a lot of self-discipline to do, but yeah. I think yeah. the rewards from it are bountiful.
1: Yes, Word. so beautiful, Word. yeah. And, and we even like, you know, it, it doesn't sound silly at all, like that injection of play into your life. Like, I think the absence of play is not benign, you know, for an individual or for a relationship. So I think that's that's beautiful and, and such a great form. reminder for us all, thank you so much for being here, and we were so happy to have you on. And definitely, everyone, go check out the Notebook Quarterly Get and the also winter her,
2: edition in your life.
1: Yes, also her book Potager, not pronounced Potager, like <laughs> like it looks. It's French, for right? For can you remind what is a Potager uh, French for?
0: A Potager is a French kitchen garden, and they were these gardens that were flowers and fruit and vegetables all mixed together because the french do everything very beautifully you know so you can't just have vegetables out there you got to get it all mixed together and make it look really nice and i just love that idea of Mm. of mixing all the things you love together in one spot yeah yeah
1: love it Mm. all right you guys thanks for being with us today we'll talk to you next time go spread some light bye If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Mimi underscore The Medicine. To learn more about our favorite health products, foods, and supplements we discuss on here, visit GetMimifit.com forward slash The Medicine Cabinet,
0: or just check the show notes below. Until next time. Cheers, Bill.